welcome to the Business and Pleasure podcast, the show that discusses what it's really like to be a digital nomad. We talk about the ups and the downs, the lessons learned, and the big discussion about whether you can really have it all. Today, we have Martin Donadieu on the show. Martin creates his freedom by making apps in solo without fundraising. His latest venture, Capgo, lets you unlock continuous delivery for your app. Martin also hosts Solos, the podcast that uncovers insights about how to create a successful business as a solopreneur. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. That's a pleasure. Of course. So let's get straight into it. And we will start at the very beginning. Can you tell us what you were doing before you became a digital nomad? And why did your digital nomad journey begin? Oh, that's uh, that's an interesting one. So in fact, I kind of became already a nomad since the beginning of my working journey because I was studying. And on the same time, I started to create my first businesses that didn't work out so i keep going to the study side and on the fourth year of my studying i had to go abroad in finland and when i decided to do that uh, i was like "Mm, finland it's an expensive country let's try to find the remote work or it was 10 years ago remote work wasn't a thing but (laughs) i decided to give it a try that happened like thanks to Twitter, funnily, I find a job in remote from a French company. So I started to be in Finland and work already in remote. So it was kind of the the very, very beginning of my digital nomad things. I was not really a nomad, but it was the first time I was abroad of my country for like a year almost. And I started like that. I was going also back to Paris every month. The, the company was paying me flight to join them. So thanks to that, I got the taste of traveling, moving, changing place to work. And that was the the real beginning. Then I started, I I came back to Paris. I tried to be in the office with this company. It didn't work at all. Then I tried another company. It didn't work at all. Same because I had to go to the (laughs) office. And I never had that, you know, like my first job was in remote uh, and I was very mm-hmm. digital nomad already. Like I could go, like we were doing um, some travel with the school and I was working in the same time. And so that was re- working pretty well and I got a lot of freedom. Then when I came back to the normal life of working, I was like, no, that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. Yeah. So I, I switched back from the, the second company I joined in Paris. I stayed only six months until I give up and I start again my own company who didn't work well, but I was in I was able to travel more and to enjoy going in Europe, see my friend I've met in Finland from Europe. So that, that allowed me to move a bit more and have mm-hmm. this lifestyle. But my, my company didn't work too well. And then I joined another company as a co-founder where they were already doing everything in remote. So that was very easy. And then I, I was able to be on the move again. And I started to move this time with my partner because I got a partner who moved from being a school teacher to developer. So by doing this move, by doing this move, she was able to become a nomad as me because that's something I wanted. And uh, and then we we start to explore Spain, Portugal. We got to RV and move around in south of Portugal for ten months. That was great. That was the start of my uh, nomad journey. 
That's so nice that you could start your digital nomad journey off with someone because I think a lot of people start it solo. So it's so nice that you could approach the hurdles and all the learnings together. And with that, how did you navigate that change in lifestyle? You mentioned you went back to Paris, you tried a few jobs out. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. How did you find the change in lifestyle when you became a digital nomad? Since I'm very like child, I, I really like my own freedom and I was a bit a bit like, but probably because I'm French as well. Like I don't like much rules. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, we like to protest and stuff like that. So when, when I came back to Paris and I had to go to the office, like they wanted me to do a daily stand up every day at, at nine. And I was like, mm. why am I doing that? Like, uh, before when I was working on my own, I was starting only at 11 because I really like to sleep in the morning and to work a bit later. That was this, like the most effective things that touched me, I think, because like I felt I was very less efficient and I wanted mm -hmm. to be efficient. I wanted to do a good job, but by just pushing me to be there at 9 a.m., I was like unable to do anything properly for three first hour of the day. And then like the day was almost done already. <laughs> so I... I didn't feel good even on my work by, by doing mm -hmm. that. So it was very clear to me, I had to change something. And this company, even it was a very nice company with very nice features. They didn't want to be off of people not be there at nine. So that's really pushed me away. And, and then I start back my own journey with uh, my co-founders and that was way easier and more pleasant but still I was lacking a bit of freedom because you have meetings you have to yeah talk be present so that's why I went to solo journey and I quit this company I was a co-founder of and we had a very great product with a great team but I was like no I want even more freedom so that's why mm -hmm. I went to solo making freedom is very important I like that <laughs> yeah and what would you say your biggest learnings were from the beginning of your digital nomad journey? It sounds like you discovered that freedom was a big, important piece, something that you wanted from your journey. What other learnings did you realize in that time? Oh, it was a lot. But I think the main one <laughs> is definitely when you decide to have a work and a, a lifestyle where you have a lot of freedom, then you need a lot of self-discipline and you have to yeah. shape yourself the tool you use and the methodology you use because with a lot of freedom all the responsibility of you're able to deliver so for example at the beginning of my journey as a remote developer i installed it in my computer a tool named rescue time and rescue time is basically tracking everything i do on my computer and give me a report every week to tell me how much i've worked and with that i was able to see like some weeks I was doing nothing, some weeks I was overworking and then be able to adapt myself and improve myself like for the amount of work, did I deliver enough or not? And then over time, I really have commit myself to uh, not a time base. I'm not like considering my time I spend on the work is the value, but more what I bring as a value because I can see sometimes in like, Two hours I've done like the 10 days value I can do for eight, like eight to five uh, for 10 days. So it depends. So that was the biggest learning is to really base what you provide as a value to your client or your company more than your time and then organize yourself to 
be very happy and very productive in a way because like if I feel aligned with what I want, then it's really easier for me to work. And that that was a game changer in a way, like because if you just stick to someone who told you, oh, you should do it like that, then you're very unproductive. So if you look deep into you to understand what do you need, then you became very, very productive and you work less. That's so interesting and so true. And before we started recording, you mentioned that you have a lot of things going on at the moment, which is great. When it comes to working and traveling, how do you prioritize your tasks and the most important things because it can be hard to balance travel with work especially when things are urgent that's a very good question like over <laughs> the, the ultimate over question the time, over the time i discover like in work there are nothing really urgent like no one is dying mm -hmm. and if you stop thinking True. everything is dying then it will change everything so mm -hmm. the first things i have worked on myself is that like okay clients are not happy maybe the website is not working whatever no one is dying if you send a nice email, say you're not available right now, but you will fix it soon, people will understand. And if they don't understand, yeah. maybe you lose client. But in fact, on the long run, it's way better for you. That was yeah. a bit hard when I was working with teams. But now, since mm -hmm. I'm working alone, it's way easier to communicate that. Like sometimes I have people even Sunday send me a message and two hours after, like, say, oh, you didn't answer. And I say, sorry, I was with my girlfriend. I was taking a breakfast. This is Sunday. Yeah. I'm coming Monday to you. No problem. And then people understand, like, I'm, I'm very, like, vulnerable on how I interact with my client now of my software. And that makes the world difference. So coming Definitely. from that, coming from that, like, I have seen this is very important to be to be true on your own things. I think that's true, though, because you mentioned freedom is a big thing for you and has sort of been the one thing that stuck with you through your journey and helped you make these big decisions of either staying at a company or leaving and becoming a solopreneur, which is amazing. But also yeah. what you mentioned there is having boundaries in place that work for you. So, for instance, you're not going to reply to a client on Sunday because you're spending time away from work and enjoying where you are and what's happening in that present time. So I think, yes, yeah, freedom, but also having the right boundaries in place to go along with that freedom work really well together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for my organization because i i made this like i understood like nothing in, is urgent and like you have to be very human in your approach i don't plan anything daily like i have a long run mm -hmm. plan like i have a direction i want to go i have my compass in a way like that's what i want my business to become something like that and then daily i really focus on my feeling like what i'm feeling to do today if I'm feeling mm -hmm. to answer this client, they answer. Otherwise, if I don't feel it, maybe I tell him, like, I will not do it now. I try to always answer anytime I receive something. I, I try to answer quickly, even if it's a, it will not be done now, but I do answer. But otherwise, yeah, I really follow my feeling and I don't do planning. Like, where I was when I was doing planning, I have tried all Scrum, Agile, methodology, everything. I have read so much about organization. And I discovered, like, this is just a jail you put yourself in. When you do that, I was making myself miserable because, oh, someone told me today, oh, let's do a hike midday. And then I had planned, like, oh, today I will do this task and this task and this task. And I cannot do it. Especially when you're a nomad, like, you miss this hike, but next week you are going to be somewhere else. And then you miss it and you will not come back. While work will still be there. So, yeah, I have more 
switch to something like feeling based and with the complementary of uh, did I work enough and I produce good with the feedback of uh, this software rescue time and other tools I use to be sure like I'm producing good even I'm following my feeling and I'm going to my the direction of my compass but yeah I've stopped to plan I don't have to-do list I put like things to do in my mind and and my idea is like I don't care if I forget if I forget is not important that's came back then it was important that's a really interesting approach because for me I'm very much a list girl I need my list and I stick with it but I think like you mentioned there it's really down to your feeling and I think overall that would probably you'd probably feel lighter and happier in a bigger picture sense just going off your feeling and going down the route of what you feel is right and what you feel is wrong then being so rigid and sticking to that to-do list when maybe something doesn't sit well with you I think that makes a lot of sense when did you realize that this approach was the approach that worked for you I, I think that was over the time, like I, I saw like uh, in work when people assign me tasks, like when I was just a developer, I was feeling very angry, like oh, I don't want to do that. And probably again, my French, my French culture coming there, but I was very against like having something to do. Sometimes I was like, yeah, I will, I will do that and I will do that. And so in my work at the, in my, my beginning of my journey as a worker, I had many times like people telling me like, we did ask you to do that and you didn't, and you did something else, which was amazing, but we didn't ask for that. So like <laughs> you are, you are a fucker and at the same time as genius. So we don't know what to deal with that. And I got, <laughs> yeah. And I really got this feedback many times. So at one point I was like, why I will not set myself to be just like a genius and do mm. the things that are amazing. Like, for example, in my first work, like uh, I was doing a mobile app for delivery, like uh, last mile delivery, a bit like Uber mm -hmm. Eat or something, but for anything, like for a florist, they want to deliver and they don't want to pay someone daily. They just can put in the app like they have flower to deliver and someone will do it. Uh, as a collaborative way it's not their main job they just do that on their way to go home or whatever and this app was like uh, having quite of a trend in France and working properly and I had some tasks to do and then I didn't feel quite working this day and I decided to go around and I meet someone he told me about uh, the Google co-working open in Helsinki then I went to this co-working that was amazing I met someone in this co-working, I show my work to him and he was an expert in mobile app and we randomly talk about the onboarding of the app and then he showed me like, oh, our onboarding was fucked up and we had, uh, we watched the metrics on the website, like we had many, many people lost in the onboarding because we were asking like name, surname, password, ID card, the uh, name of your mom, whatever, so many things because of legal issue for delivery. And, and this guy told me like, you sure you need that at the registering or you need that when the first delivery happened? I was like, yeah, totally. It's more at the first delivery. When someone registers, we don't care. Just an email and password will be enough. By meeting this guy randomly and this, having this task, discovered this with him, I just, instead of doing my task, I spent the two next day to switch the wall and boarding and change it without telling anyone in the company. And then I change it and 
everyone was angry because I was able to put that in production without asking and people were like in the support like we're gonna die we don't have the we don't have the right requirement for legal stuff and blah 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 and blah 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 and then they saw the number of registering 10 times more after I pushed that in production and they were like what the fuck so they were super angry and in the same time they discovered like we were, were losing so many opportunities just because of that and that was, I think, the first main time I got this feedback of like following your feeling is like making genius move, but in like many organizations that doesn't work <laughs> because you cannot do that. Yeah, and that's interesting as well. It probably wouldn't have happened if you were just in a company office not being a digital nomad the fact that you went to this co-working space and you meet all these different interesting people something like that would probably not have happened and then it's opened you up to this this new work this new space which is really interesting and has benefited you massively as well which is great what would you say your best travel experience has been so far that's an easy question. Like I've been in many places in Europe mainly and a mm -hmm. bit in Asia now. And definitely the best place for me is where I am now. It's in Madeira Island in Portugal. I love this place so much. There are so many digital nomads coming now because we oh, have uh, the, the first digital nomad village in the world. <laughs> was called like that. Oh, it was cool. a funny name. But, but in fact, it, that brought so many nomads in this island, which is unknown and there are not much tourists only all tourists coming by boat but now with tourism it gets a bit bigger because it got a lot of exposure because of the nomads but we have such huge community of nomads we're like doing hikes doing dinner doing many events i had like one of the biggest crazy experience with nomads in my life like we we decided to do a hike because in madera like it's very hiking place it's beautiful mm -hmm. stunning and and some people say, eh, let's hike tomorrow. And it was during the week. And like I was like, okay, we'll be two, three person. And then I came to the hike and we were like more than 70 nomads oh, wow. doing a hike <laughs> in the middle of the week. And that was insane. Nomads love a like, hike. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that was very cool. That's really cool. That's a real sense of community. Yeah, yeah, that's something I was missing a bit in Nomad. Like, for example, I went to Bali, mm. which is like a lamek of nomads. Uh, but in fact, mm. I didn't get this sense of community I got in Madeira because in Bali, there are so many things to do. Like, you will meet someone and the day after, like, you will never meet him again because he went to the other side of the island of Bali. Or This is so big and so huge and you have so many different things mm. to do that you don't create, like, real community long-lasting friendship like mm. um, i have people i've met but i'm not really keeping in touch with them while in madeira we have made very huge friendship who brought us together to bali to most of them now are in thailand and coming back to madeira again and we have kind of recurring now settings where we come back every year to madeira it's the third year I'm coming back to Madeira and I, I'm believing oh, wow. it will be one, one of the places I will live at least six months in a year now because there are so many yeah. nomads. And that's it's great. Like this, it's so great. Yeah, that's actually a good point because last year I was in Bali for four months and I loved it. But I found, and I think 
it really depends sort of what, what co-working space you go to and the people there on that day and stuff like that. But I found some of the co-working spaces I went to, a lot of the people who were in the space were there working for a company. So they sort of stuck to the people they knew and the people they were in the same company with, or they yeah. were just very heads down and focused. They were in and they were out. There were definitely people I met and they were lovely and carries on a relationship with them but uh that's an interesting point that you've mentioned that yeah the island is so big and people are here there and everywhere it's an interesting concept sort of having this digital nomad village and everybody's working there working there together and it is more it actually is more of a traditional community having people sort of doing everything in the same space yeah yeah, yeah, I'm so thankful for Gonzalo Hall. We, we create that. We got the idea to ask a mayor if he can have a place for digital number. And then this crazy mayor say yes. And then all started from that was insane idea. What would you say your worst travel experience has been so far? That's interesting because I tend to don't remember like the... Oh, no, I know. I remember when I read the question you sent me. It was clear. <laughs> I got the insight. <laughs> I uh, on the way back from Asia, uh, from Bali, I went. I did a stop in India because my girlfriend was in dream of Taj Mahal. She wanted since she's uh, oh, nice. very young to see Taj Mahal. So we decided to do a stop in India to go to Taj Mahal. And wow, this country like shocked me. How the condition of living are. I'm definitely introvert. Mm -hmm. And and I like I, I need peace. Like I cannot work in co-working and be efficient. Like when I go to co-working, I, I felt I am interacting a lot with people, I'm interesting to others, and it's hard for me to focus. So I go to co-work to more do social interaction, not to work. And in India, I felt like I was in co-working all the time. Like you have always someone who wants to talk to you, someone you <laughs> We want you to visit this because you look a tourist was mm. was very hard at one point i felt like i need like airport max isolation uh, sound but also like visual uh, isolation <laughs> i will have a dream to have a phone booth of uh, in the street you know and to be like oh mm -hmm. no sound no klaxon no like uh, road rage uh, yeah that that was hard for me i didn't felt i could mm. recharge there like i just felt uh, draining every day every night <laughs> Yeah, I guess specifically after Bali as well, that is such a culture change and shock. Yeah. Do you have any advice for a bidding digital nomad? I think that there's something interesting, like especially if you're from Europe, Europe is a great place to start because mm -hmm. like everything is easy. You don't need to have a new SIM card. Your SIM card will work. It will be the same currency. You don't need to understand what is the conversion rate between Euro and rupees, where it's like 15,000 mm. Euro, one Euro. You don't need to understand their culture, like very wide, different culture. So if you take a country near to you, it's easier. Even if you're very scared about travel, you can start in your own country. It's not so bad. In fact, you have That's already true. the good salary, get a good salary to live in your country. So you can just start to be in a remote place or something you like more closer to your family. That's already a good start. And then, yeah, for me, Europe was very 
like uh, useful in a way like when i went to asia it was very hard like i felt like a new nomad digital again like a new beginner because mm. like i understood nothing like i didn't understand the culture i didn't understand the money so yeah starting from something new to what you know i think it's easier and it will make you because you have a lot of things to learn when you are not on your own place like you usually work you have to learn how you focus or you handle your time outside or you manage that do not make your life diffi more difficult and go super far away from you in different time zone even where even yeah. just working basically it's like hell do it one step at a time i will i will recommend yeah. definitely i think that's a really good shout slowly dip your toe in see what you're comfortable with see what works and what doesn't work and start small i think that's a really good valuable piece of advice and so we are now on to the big question can you really have it all can you have a balance of business and pleasure <laughs> you know that's that that's very fun because this is my current main question in my life like ah perfect <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing even coaching from that. Like I'm taking coaching with uh, coaches because right now my work gives me a lot of freedom. But in the same mm -hmm. time, I want to have some goal achieved. So I want to be very focused. But in the same time, there are a lot of nomads here I want to hang with. And at the same time, I have an amazing partner I want to spend my life with and my day yeah. with. And she's also having a lot of freedom. So like we can, like basically in Bali, I work maybe one quarter of the time I work usually. And that was amazing. But then that leads me to have a bit less money over the time because when you are free, you burn a lot of cash. I went a bit too far on the freedom and I was like forgetting about work and just enjoying life, enjoying love. And that was amazing. Now I'm, I'm taking a bit step back and I'm trying to focusing a bit in the work and trying to find my way to what I, I want and what's the amount mm. of work I want, what's the amount of time with friend I want, what's the amount of time I want with my partner, because since she was nomad as well, then it gets very easy to, to spend time together, and, and which is nice, and that, that's amazing. But in the same time, that's also not working for you, focus on work. Like, so I am currently trying to find my own way. Like we, we're trying to, to see, do we need to work from one, one from the co-working and one from home and then join back together at the end of the day, like a more usual couple will do. When should I see my friend? Because I really like to focus and do deep, deep on my work. And I, I like when I focus very not having notification, nothing cutting me. I don't think we can have it all. We have to make choice and I'm trying what kind of choice I want to do. Probably like for me, the most important things right now, it's my partner and uh, my work because I'm closer to one of my goals, which is making 5K revenue without the need of like working daily on it, like quite passive. I am halfway there and I want to reach this point to then maybe help more others you know i want to produce more content about like the the things i have set up for myself and help help more people to achieve this as well because i truly believe we have the right and we deserve to have our freedom back ah 
I like that answer. So it's a bit of work in progress, a bit of trial and error, but also ultimately it's, yeah, it's down to you and it's your, it's choice as well. It's prioritization, it's choice, but it's up to you. It's so interesting as well that you and your partner are both digital nomads. I don't think I've actually spoken to someone yet who themselves and their partner are digital nomads I know you just mentioned then sort of you you may go to a co-working space and then come together in the evening or again has it been a lot of trial and error to figure out what works for you both as a couple uh, that that's what we are trying right now right now since yeah. two weeks so it's pretty new before we were like all the time together in the same house basically Right. And she was going often to co-working because she liked that. And yeah. very rare, rarely I was going to co-working because I want to meet people and, and to hang out with. But usually I just join people after the co-working session and, and then we go for a swim, we go for a hike or whatever, for a coffee. Yeah, just lately we try like uh, having a bit of different space because I'm very like uh, conscious of my partner around that's like a beautiful uh, things but also like a sad thing because like when you want to work you want to have this time well used if i need eight hours of work because she's around where i could do the same work in four hours that's that's not time well used and then finally what's next for you what are you currently working on so right now I'm continuing to work on CapGo, the first uh, services you shared about it, a SaaS platform and mm-hmm. trying to make that bigger. I, I won't hit like 5,000 in revenue and 10,000 and 15,000, which is my end goal with this product. I hope I can do that. On the other side, I want to be more consistent in the new podcast because I had a podcast for a year in French about indie makers, people doing things like without raising money and on their own. And now I'm I'm doing it the same in English, like which is solo, where it's very focused on people doing things in solo. Uh, and I want to produce more content on that part. So that's my two main goal. And on the side, I will probably launch tiny product to see, to test market. I really like to do that. Like two months ago, I, I started a product named Landing AI which is a landing page generator made with ChatGPT. Uh, data worked pretty well. We made 6,000K with this. It was the first time I did back a product with someone since two years with a friend. It was cool, but we decided we will not continue to work together because I really, really like our independency. But that was a um, 6,000 euro made, uh, very cool. Oh, great. That's, so you have a lot of exciting stuff going on, which is brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Martin. I'll include all your links in the episode show notes. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again very soon. A big thank you to Hacker Cabin because they are sponsoring the podcast. Hacker Cabin is an amazing community that you don't want to miss out on. Is a community for remote workers, digital nomads, and bootstrap founders. So if you fit into one of these categories, you should definitely get involved. Hacker Cabin allows you to share your updates, questions, and have some amazing discussions with the rest of the community. Sometimes being a digital nomad can be extremely hard and super lonely, speaking from experience. 
Hacker Cabin really makes me feel like I'm part of something. It's an extremely welcoming community and I love being a part of it. Don't miss out on this amazing group of people. We even have a brilliant membership offer for you with discount code LYDIA10 to get 10% off your Hacker Cabin membership. Thanks so much, Hacker Cabin. Mm-hmm.